Hello and welcome to Geek Critique, the podcast that pairs a compelling theme with one of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. <laughs> You're very excited about your name. I sure am. And this week we are going to be looking at Hope in the Hunger Games. And just another quick reminder that in the new year we will be changing our name. You don't need to do anything, but just so you're not like, wait, what? So, yeah. yeah. Once uh, your a feed up. changes its name, don't worry. You'll continue to get this good, good content, but it just will be under a different moniker. <laughs> yes. So. What gives you hope? What gives me hope? Mm, I guess for you, should nothing. it be, does anything give you hope? <laughs> Uh, no, a lot of things give me hope, even if I'm not as hopeful a person than mm. maybe most people are. I think ideas of forgiveness and reconciliation give me hope. I think I think where sometimes other people have hope for change and whatnot, I am always like, yeah, that would be great. Let's not not work towards that, but... Do I think that we're going to have gender equality? Probably not in my lifetime. Mm. In anyone's lifetime, maybe. But I don't have like a lot of active hope for that. Not to say that we don't continue to fight for that. Right. But I think things that I have more active hope for are things that even if those ideal things don't happen things like beautiful ways to live even despite that and in the midst of that those types of things give me hope even if even if it's not just for a specific end Mm. but the process of it Hmm. what about you as a not that old person it's probably (laughs) terrible for me to say this but the next generation gives me hope um as I'm teaching and as I'm kind of learning about, you know, Gen Z and, and all the kind of young people coming of age around this time, I'm feeling hopeful just in how I see positive differences between the way that my experience was when I was young and the way that they look at the world. I've seen statistics that show that between 10 to 20% of Gen Z identify as LGBTQ in some way, um, whether it be pan or what, you know, any other kind of non-binary sexuality or gender expression. And I just think that that's awesome. Uh, It's great to see that there's a generation that is less confined according to socially created hierarchies that are awful and lead to awful actions by people. Yeah, it was, there was a great moment. I have a cousin who is 13, but this was last year. And someone had said something at, at Thanksgiving, I think it was. And he was like, well, why are you assuming their gender? So and I was just like, yay! Like, yeah, that, that made me really happy. Totally. So I just think that that's something that, that has shown that there has been changes in the way that society considers these types of things, which... I think that sometimes those foundational changes mean a lot because it means that then when they are making decisions and when they are the largest voting bloc in America and things like that, hopefully they'll be coming at it with a very different perspective than generations prior. That is the hope. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I guess we should move on to our analysis of Hope in the Hunger Games. Yeah. So let's start off with a quote. And this quote comes from the very, very end of Mockingjay, the last book of the Hunger Games trilogy. And obviously is Katniss's thoughts. That what I need to survive is not Gale's fire, kindled with rage and hatred. I have plenty of fire myself. What I need is the dandelion in the spring, the bright yellow that means rebirth instead of destruction. The promise that life can go on, no matter how bad our loss is, that it can be good again. And only PETA can give me that. Aw, PETA. <laughs> I really like that because, not because it's like, oh, my only hope is a man. Like, it, it's not saying that, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe. But it's in the aftermath of what these characters have been through. If life can go on and you can learn how to find good and beautiful things again, like that is hopeful. Yeah, maybe sometimes because of what you've been through, that is the most hopeful thing that you could have. Yeah, and I like that it shows their complementariness. How, you know, she has the fire, but she needs a different perspective for herself. Yeah. It's healthier to have that. And we don't see things from Peter's perspective, but he clearly gets something out of loving her too, you know? And that's probably that she tempers him a little bit in different ways. Just like you and me. Exactly. <laughs> I have enough of the fire myself. <laughs> <laughs> you can burn away my optimism. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new renewable source of energy. <laughs> Phonely. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like a monster's ink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, should we get into what character you brought? Sure. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about Katniss Everdeen. It's always interesting to talk about Katniss. It sure is. Because I was thinking about her in The Hunger Games, in in the first book. As soon as she gets selected and and she's saying goodbye to Prim and her mother, she's basically saying it goodbye forever, right? Yeah. She believes that she will not come back. You know, even Gail already has hope for her, but she doesn't really have that same hope for herself about whether she'd be able to find a bow, whether she'd be able to compete and all these other kinds of things. And I think that it's one of the things that her experiences kind of show her both what is possible and having Peter there to kind of bolster her, her hope for herself and for him eventually, but also what the consequences might be, kind of making those a little bit more real other than just like death, but how consequences exist outside of her own personal experiences. And specifically... One of the quotes that came up when I was doing research and stuff for for this episode was the one about the Avox girl seeing her face and not forgetting it because Mm. you don't forget the face of the person who's your last hope, right? And she, there was a a failed hope. She did not help the Avox girl and she clearly regretted that. And I think that that is a poignant moment because it does, it tells us a little bit more about how the capital is terrible. (laughs) Yes. But it doesn't do much other than that narratively, other than to further reflect on where Katniss is and how she is engaging with her chances and and what it means to fail and what it means to fight against the capital. And I think it's also really telling in the games themselves when she yells Peter's name out when she finds out that two tributes from the same district can both win. I think that that's a great moment because... It's one of the few times when she reacts in ways 
that are not pre-planned or predetermined and that we don't see a lot of interiority about, mm-hmm. but we can still read so much in because very, very soon afterwards, she starts to think about, oh, you know, I have to, to ally with him because otherwise it would look bad and people mm-hmm. would hate me and all these kinds of things. But that's not that why. That was her first reaction. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. It was that she could finally hope for more than herself. She could mm-hmm. hope for Peta as well. And it completely changes the way that she looks at him because she wouldn't have allowed herself to hope before that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she purposefully tried to keep her distance mm-hmm. from him because she was like, nope, I don't want to have to kill him. I don't want to have to not save him. But then she's like, oh, I can save him. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I think that it's, uh, it's really interesting seeing her as a tribute as someone who is not a career, is not coming in with hopes of winning, but who acts in ways that shows that she does have hope, even if she doesn't always think it. Because yeah. on the train, it's not just Peta who's who's telling Hamish to help them. She is too. And you wouldn't do that if you had given up or if you thought that you had no chance. Yeah. I would just be like, well, gonna die. <laughs> nice knowing y'all. Exactly. So as my mentor, what is the easiest and least painful way of dying? Oh, no, I would already know. I would jump off my thing early, glaring, and I don't, I, I don't really necessarily like rude gestures, but anything that I could do that would, you know, signal <laughs> y'all are the worst. That's and there. I'm doing this in defiance. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what I would do. Mm. But yeah, so I, I just, I think that it's an interesting kind of lens to look at her experience in the Hunger Games, uh, and particularly the first book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's also really interesting to look at. Well, one, because even though she didn't have the hope of winning, mm-hmm. she still was trying her hardest to work towards it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know, though, because I think that she had the hope. It just, she didn't logically think it was a realistic hope all the time. But she still maintained the hope that it could possibly happen. Yeah, I guess that it was a very slim Mm -hmm. possibility. But it's hard to know how much of it was she was trying for her family, Mm -hmm. you know, because she wanted them to see her trying instead of, like, giving up. Well, and I think maybe she had more hope, too, once she got there and she understood better how... Effie and Hamish and Cinna were trying to leverage things mm. and make her more interesting and more memorable to the sponsors and all of this. So I think she felt like she had more of a chance then. Totally. And as soon as she realized how useful her server skills actually were. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely underestimated them yeah. before. I think everyone did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And they rued that forever. Are you trying to slip Rue in there? Yes. Okay. I understand what you were doing, but we weren't talking about Rue, so it wasn't That's quite, true. quite a great pun. No, it was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> Look at I was being nice That's to you. That's true. <laughs> this one time. Typically, I'm the one who's like, "That's not great," and you're like, "No, it's bad." <laughs> <laughs> um, but another interesting aspect of Cadmus is how she provides hope for so many people. Mm-hmm. She becomes a symbol of hope. Of course, yeah. And a lot of that is because of how other people have helped, right? Mm-hmm. Zasina helping her step into that Mockingjay, but a lot of it was just from her defiance that mm. that other people saw 
you know, which is which is what Snow was scared about, right? Mm-hmm. He said, if a girl from District 12 can do this and walk away unscathed, like, what's to make anyone think that they can't do the same? Mm-hmm. And I think that is exactly what happened. People saw her be able to walk out of that. Not that she was unscathed, but that she she was able to, and she continued to, to fight, and that gave people hope. And she was clearly fighting for her family. The fact that the first thing you find out about her is that she volunteers to save her sister, that clearly has such an effect on people. Yeah. As, as I imagine it would. Yeah, for sure. Well, what plot did you bring? So I wanted to talk about the role Hope plays in healing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> because you see it a few different times. And so first I was thinking about actually prim mm-hmm. and how the story of her getting her goat lady the person who had raised the goat was going to have the butcher come and and you know sell it to her and anybody would have looked at that animal and been like mm. but prim was so dedicated and had so much hope for lady and she saved her mm-hmm. and i think that that is a great characteristic of Prim that is continued because then when Peta is brought back after his hijacking in book three, she's the one who's like, well, what are we going to do to try to reverse this? Hmm. She has the hope of him getting better and she's working with the doctors and trying new ways and new methods and thinking of things because she is not okay just giving up hope on him. And I think that that's a big part of her and her mom being healers. Her mom is such an interesting character because she, the first things you really know about her is that she had lost hope completely Hmm. when her husband died. But her being a healer, I think you have to have hope being a part of that or how can you even do it at all? And it's just interesting because her being a healer in District 12, there's so much death that you see, right? Uh, People so commonly die from starving to death. Mm -hmm. So it just started making me think about that hope isn't only for people to get better, but that people can also have hope to just help ease pain Mm. when it can't get better and that that could keep you going and motivate you to do what you're doing and do it well. Yeah, that's so interesting, you know, that the the idea of a healer is such a hope-filled concept, right? Mm-hmm. Because whether you go to a healer in hopes that they can make things better and you become a healer in hopes that you can help, that you can do something. Yeah, I think it's it's such an interesting example of not only useful skills, but useful skills that are so in many ways opposite Katniss's skills. Mm-hmm. right or Katniss is great at surviving it's very much about her she's great at killing things yeah she's good at killing things and like making sure that she's okay but her sister and her mom are good at making sure that others are okay mm-hmm. yeah and uh one other way I was thinking about is in a more manipulative way mm. is with the healing of victors because so many of them sustain severe injuries and sorry give Pete a new leg exactly so they don't want Penem to see the scars Mm -hmm. and so I think so much of that is to function as a false hope Mm 
that all of these people watching, they they get to see them victorious. They get to see them come back and they don't look permanently damaged, mm-hmm. even though they are mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. But if you saw these kids coming back looking completely scarred, I think maybe people, they wouldn't have the same hope for their kids. Yeah, particularly for, I think, the districts like the the career districts because Mm -hmm. they're ones who who do well and are able to get by and at times able to see the hunger games as something that can actually be beneficial to them Mm -hmm. but part of that has to be a victor that brings glamour and fame and notoriety and not Mm -hmm. fear or trauma Exactly. And which is why I think it's so interesting that Chaff, one of the victors turned tribute in Catching Fire, had chosen not to get a prosthetic Mm. arm after his Hunger Games and how he is forever a visual symbol of of the scars and, and what actually happens in the games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. Well, should we move on to your compelling question? Sure. My compelling question is, where do you see hope for the capital citizens? Hmm. That's a good question, because when I think of hope, I think of not just how we use in everyday language of, I hope that it won't rain tomorrow Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but like as this powerful force of something that you're doing that in a lot of ways, yeah, might defy what is logical or what is likely. Mm. And so it's hard to think about the capital citizens because they have everything. So what is it? Oh, I hope my lavish party goes off well. Mm -hmm. Like, I hope that my cosmetic surgery turns out as well as I want it to. Yeah, I think for so many of them, it would be kind of like smaller scale, just hopes and dreams for the everyday. But I mean, also a lot of them love watching the games, which is obviously problematic, but they do hope that certain tributes get out of their life mm-hmm. and some of them put money behind it and so that's interesting disturbing but interesting idea of hoping that you you know pick your favorite one i guess and hope that they'll survive and try to donate money to ensure that but then obviously there's also the resistance within the capital so people like Cinna, Cressida, and the, the rest of her team, their hopes would be that they could bring this corrupt system down. And also, you have Castor and Pollux, and they had the hope of getting enough money so that they could buy Pollux back up to the surface. And so I think, I think there are some significant powerful hopes there, but among the average capital citizen, I think it's a little less moving. <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, I definitely think that, yeah, some of the bigger hopes are also things like, you know, Effie hoping to get a better district. That's true. Right, yeah. or, yeah, people hoping that their 
desired victor will or, or tribute will win and all these other kinds of things but it definitely like it for sure brought up ideas of like the perils of consumer culture mm. to me probably at least in part because i'm writing a paper about consumerism right now <laughs> Um, is this our what's chris learning in grad school section i'm not gonna go super far into that no uh just to let you know it's on my mind but looking at consumerism as including the commodification and objectification of bodies and people Mm -hmm. right and the hunger games are such a great metaphor for that taken to its furthest furthest extent it definitely for sure makes me think of kind of Maybe some of my own habits that might be problematic, you know, Mm. like less about hoping for the things that objectify others in ways that are as blatant, but it's the holiday season, hoping for a good present, hoping that I'll get to play my new video games or, you know, whatever else it might be and, and, and distancing that or individualizing that in a way that is so far removed from the factory workers in developing countries that are putting Mm -hmm. together these systems or that are making our goods or the workers at Amazon who are horribly treated and and getting injured. And so I think that, yeah, I guess in my own head, I started realizing like, oh yeah, Hunger Games is good. It's, (laughs) it is an apt analogy for some of the perils of consumerism in our society and Mm. I think that looking at those kind of smaller hopes like you were talking about, when you are privileged, your hopes tend to be smaller and they also tend to rely on the exploitation of others. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true for the capital, which is why I think characters like Cressa and Castor and Pollux and Cinna are so amazing because they're able to move past that and develop wider, larger hopes and put everything on the line for those hopes. And that, that's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what's your compelling question? So my question is, so I, I talked a little bit about using healing manipulatively, mm-hmm. the capital. So where else do you see the capital or game makers using hope to affect the tributes or the country in general? I mean, the big example is them trying to take away the the two-tribute rule at the end of Hunger Games. Why they use mm-hmm. the berries to begin with, right, is that they they said that two victors can exist and then they took it away. So clearly that was a ploy to make them hope for something and then to create this dramatic conclusion that would be the despair that comes after that hope and the entertainment that, that would bring yeah, absolutely. And and on that, I was thinking about the function of the feast mm. that happens within the games. At some point, there's an announcement that, you know, we all have something you desperately need. And it's to create emotional drama mm. to give the option of something that could help them win the game so that they could go home and... Yeah, just using that sort of tactic to manipulate the emotions of of everyone for entertainment's sake. Yeah, for sure. I think that the cornucopia itself is, is another example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Is having all these enticing bags and weapons and things like that, including a bow, shiny bow for Katniss, right? <laughs> right? And it almost works on her, too. Doesn't take PETA, like, shaking his head yep. at her and being mm-hmm. like, no, don't go for it. Because, yeah, that, that it's using that hope against them in ways that they want to create the drama and the, the slaughter, essentially. But utilizing that as a weapon. 
against the the tributes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking, which I liked that they put in the movies, even though it wasn't in the book, I think it was in in the first movie, even though I didn't like that movie in general, there's a conversation that happens between Snow and the game maker, Seneca Crane. Mm-hmm. And Snow's asking him, why do we allow there to be a victor? Why don't we just have them all killed? Mm-hmm. And he explains, it's because of hope. There has to be one person who survives. Otherwise, you're crushing their hopes. And I think that that's such a disgustingly corrupt way to to control the the whole country because if there was no hope you know like if they knew that they would be sending two kids from their district every single year and both would die it would change things i think it would be easier to create a resistance but when you dangle that little bit of hope in front of them that maybe your kids will be okay or maybe someone from your district can come back then because there's that option you know that fighting back can lose you everything Mm -hmm. that you care about yeah it's just such a gross way to manipulate hope to let people continue in as relative of amount of safety as they can and not challenge the powers that be totally yeah well what's your missed opportunity well i was just talking so you should go my missed opportunity is that i would like to actually have seen a little bit more of the hope that districts have for their winners right we see so much of the anger they have and even that is mostly more in the movies than anything else but Mm -hmm. We don't really see, especially in the career districts, but really in any districts, what it's like to hope for a victory for their tributes. Like, I think that it would not only be something that I think would be interesting to see them participate in the kind of district-on-district violence that the Hunger Games create, mm-hmm. where it's much more about what it can do for you and your community, even at the expense of others. And I think that's especially true when you also think about the gifts that the district gets right the feasts the extra food exactly all those other kinds of things where having a victor is a huge deal for the district right Mm -hmm. and how having hope for that is also interesting especially in a place like the seam where that can be life or death for some people right where it's not just katniss and pita's life but having a, a victor means that they will have food on the table in ways they wouldn't have had otherwise yeah it's not just that these two kids come home but everybody all of your family your neighbors everyone's lives will be better for at least a year exactly and so yeah i just think it'd be really interesting especially to like see the perspective of someone from a district who it has the kind of ugly side of the hope of wanting their champion their their tribute to be the victor even though that means killing other district children i know right isn't wouldn't that be so terrible absolutely because yeah to fight that temptation to not just be like yes like i want this other person to die Mm -hmm. 
because hopefully you don't want that other person to die. Yeah, like they're not all Kato's, you know, like where it's, you know. I mean, even if they are, it's still like, you're like, yes, child, die. Like, uh, For sure. But there's a big difference, a marked difference between Kato and Rue or Foxface or someone else. But yeah, it it puts everybody in terrible positions. Totally. Yeah. What about you? What's your most opportunity? So, my missed opportunity... (laughs) Oh, no. What is it? (laughs) May not be the most popular among the masses. My missed opportunity has to do with kids. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've seen it in a lot of things. It's not just The Hunger Games that does this. In, In so many series, movies, books, TV shows... It's supposedly some great source of hope at the end of something that's maybe sad or dismal. But they had these babies, and that means that there's hope. And I just, yeah, so like, um, (laughs) so in The Hunger Games, you have Finnick, right? Finnick has a kid, which I'm like, what is the likelihood that that would actually happen? Annie and Finnick were actually together a few months at most. At some point, Annie, like, sends them a picture of mm. the baby once it's born. It has, like, Phoenix's eyes. And so, yeah, it's hard for me not to say things facetiously. <laughs> um, because you're facetious about it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> and, you know, Katniss watching her two little kids play with Peta. And, oh, they, they have... You know, one of them has his hair and her eyes, and the other one has his eyes and her hair, whatever. You know, they're like opposites. And I just, to me, that is not a a deep way to create hope in the end of a story. It feels a little gimmicky to me. Um, And this is whenever I see it, not particularly here. For some reason, this is just supposed to mean hope regardless of anything else and I mean the fact that Katniss you know is thinking in her mind about when they're going to talk to their kids about what has happened to them Mm -hmm. and why they still have trauma you know that that to me gives some hope right Mm -hmm. versus people not talking to their kids about very difficult things and their kids either never knowing or finding out later and feeling this kind of huge chasm between their parents, right? Um, Which is definitely something in my own family history with family members being forced to relocate or or interned and not talking to their kids about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, at least then it shows that they're going to try to do something maybe better. But for me, it's a missed opportunity because considering what The Hunger Games like so many of the amazing themes in the counter games and so many of the amazing ways they address different things in the series i think it could have been so much more powerful to create hope at the end if you like saw families with adopted kids after Mm. the war and i think it would have been amazing to see more a glimmer of the structure of how society was being rebuilt with like humanitarian and egalitarian principles at the center like for me that would create so much more of like a congruent hope that would go with the rest of the series yeah for sure because i I think that the trope of you know ending with new children or what have you is like oh this is a new hope but it's also in ways 
it is starting over. But that's not what war does. You can't just start over after a war. It is a continuation, and the effects of that are going to be felt for generations to come. I know. Generational trauma is the thing. And not only should Katniss recognize that, but she should also recognize that there are still repercussions of the war that she was a major player in. And Mm -hmm. I think that the most loving and giving thing to do is to raise the children who are already there orphaned by this awful violence that happened. Well, the only thing I would say about Katniss and Peeta with, like, orphans or whatnot would be that they were so young at the time. They were, like, 17. They didn't actually have kids until, like, 15 years later or something Mm. like that, so... I think all the orphans would have been grown up by then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I would be like, what? Peta so would have started the first <laughs> orphanage in. <laughs> Wouldn't he? Yeah. In Penham? <laughs> the Malark Orphanage. Aw. Uh, he wouldn't name it after himself. Come on. <laughs> the Artfinage. <laughs> the Artfinage. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> but again, yeah, I think it. It could have been done in much more powerful ways because working for everyone instead of your own individual lives, like, that's what gives me more hope. Yeah. Well, why don't we go to our takeaways? Well, what's yours? For me, I I was really struck when you were talking near the beginning of the episode about kind of the hope that both healers and Katniss can provide to other people. That was something that I, I, I didn't really focus on coming into this episode, but is, I think, such an important part of The Hunger Games as well, is how the Mockingjay is a symbol of hope, and it is separate from Katniss, and it creates hopes that are different than Katniss's specific hopes and all these other kinds of things, and that's a really interesting way of, of navigating that as well, that I suppose if we ever did another hope in Hunger Games kind of segment, that's probably where I would start to try to focus because I think there's there's probably a lot of meat there that I haven't really thought about, but it's probably pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. What about you? When you were talking about more structural capitalistic things with the capital specifically, yeah, I'm just kind of interested in thinking about, because I'm so like, eh, anti-capitalist, <laughs> but are there ways in which I do place some amount of hope in things that are capitalistic. Mm. And as much as it can be great to say like, oh, these structures are bad and impoverishing people and exploiting people and whatnot. But how many things am I doing in my life that support that opinion and that um, stance on it? And how many things defy it? So, yeah, I think my takeaway is to think about that more. Yeah. Well, if you're interested, my paper's also <laughs> about how, while, yes, the like, consumerism and the capitalist system create inequalities and, and marginalize people, it also provides new ways for marginalized people to exert their agency. As consumers, as laborers, people gain specific access to sites where they can work for their own desires and their own beliefs and ideas and what they think is right. And... You know, we are within a consumerist culture, and that means that consumerism is now a site where those types of struggles can take place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've I've read about some cool companies that are fair trade and they give their employees like certain sums of money once a year that like with their community they can decide what to do with and mm. just really cool things like that. That's know? great. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well with that we should probably wrap up our conversation of Hope in the Hunger Games. We are going to be taking off a couple of weeks, and so we'll be coming back to you in the new year with some new episodes and a new title. But if you are one of our patrons, we will be giving you one of our Geeky Memory episodes during that time, so you don't have to miss us quite as long. If you aren't one of our patrons yet, now's a great time to sign up. Yes. Well, can you let us know what the first episode of the new year is going to be on? So we're going to go back to Avatar and The Legend of Korra. Yay! Yeah, and we're going to be looking at it through the theme of gender. Oh, great. So gender in Avatar and yeah. Legend of Korra. There's going to be, That'll some, be interesting. some juicy stuff there for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Critique. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Critique Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. And of course, you can go to our website at bit.ly slash geekcritique. You can find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Pod. We want to thank Kimberly Toyo Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her wonderful designs at lacelet.com or on Instagram or Facebook by searching for Lacelet. And don't forget to use the code GEEK2019 before the year is out. This is our last episode reminder. And what will they get with that code? Check our episode description. Everything will be laid out for you. Perfect. Thanks again. We'll see you in the new year. Until then, geek out. out!